Here's our series on aging in Portland. Retired or rewired? What it's like getting old in a youth-centered city. Are you up for that challenge? We'll bring you lots of views, but you'll have to answer this question for yourself. Is Portland a good place in which to grow old? Episode 6, Housing the Elderly. This is the sixth in KBOO's series on what it's like to age in Portland. We call it Retired or Rewired. Today we speak with two professors from Portland's Institute on Aging. They've been involved in planning for an age-friendly Portland from the beginning of that movement. Dr. Margaret Neal is the director of the Institute on Aging at Portland State University. Her interests include nearly all the subjects we're looking into in this series, designing age-friendly communities and neighborhoods, transportation, healthy aging, older workers. She coordinates the Age-Friendly Portland program and the Multnomah County Advisory Council, which developed an action plan to create a more age-friendly community. Welcome to KBU, Dr. Neal. Thanks very much, Tom. What is the Institute on Aging, and what's it doing uh, in the planning department at Portland State University? <laughs> Good question. Well, the Institute on Aging is an education, research, and service organization that is at Portland State University, as you said. We're in the department of, located with, uh, within the College of Urban and Public Affairs, and our certificate in gerontology is administered through the Department of Urban Studies and Planning. We started off in psychology, we moved to sociology, then we were in urban studies and planning, then we were in community health, now back in, in just the College of Urban and Public Affairs. Inst institutes like ours are, and gerontology is a field, is a multidisciplinary field, it fits nearly anywhere. It could even be in a school of business. So your, your focus is not just on the physical or architectural issues associated with design, it's on all aspects of aging, is that right? That's right. That's exactly right. So we look at the social, psychological, economic, um, political, and physical environment-related issues to aging. I meet lots of people who have moved to Portland from other places after they retire. What is it about Portland that brings people here to retire? I think there are a lot of reasons. Um, one is certainly the fact that many people follow their children or grandchildren here. Um, we have people who are moving to Portland all the time, and if the kids move or the grandkids move, then often the grandparents will follow. Another reason is our temperate climate. Uh, we generally have great access to the outdoors, so it's pretty easy to get to the coast, to the mountains, to the desert. Portland is one of 33 cities in the World Health Organization's Age-Friendly Cities Project. What does this mean? It was a few years ago. Is it still going on? That project was the WHO's Global Age-Friendly Cities Research Project, and the goal of that project was to identify what features make a city age-friendly, what features make it not a good place for older adults, and what suggestions people had for change. It was a qualitative research study. Portland was one of, as you said, 33 cities from around the globe 
to participate. The effort in Portland is still ongoing, and my understanding from the director at WHO, the Director of Aging and Health at WHO, is that we're the only one of the original 33 cities that still has an ongoing effort. So yes, we're continuing to work on these issues. At the end of that Global Age-Friendly Cities project, the WHO created a network of age-friendly cities and communities. Portland joined that network, so did the city, or so did Multnomah County, and there was an advisory council created to oversee the creation of an age-friendly action plan, first for Portland and then for Multnomah County. And now we're steadily working away on the recommendations of that action plan. So that council still exists? The council still exists. And how often do they meet? We were meeting monthly, and recently it's been closer to every couple of months or every three months. Were there specific recommendations that you're tracking that the city could do to implement to improve itself as a place for the elderly? There are a number of recommendations. They basically fall into several different domains. And you can find uh, the action plan uh, at our website on agefriendlyportland.org. My sense is that there's a lot of thought and a lot of um, discussion, uh, but there's kind of a vacuum in the city with respect to any vision for the elderly. Like, I don't get, uh, when I look at neighborhood plans or the neighborhood, the notes of neighborhood meetings, I don't see much reference to the prominence of elderly people or the, how they're preserved in the dynamic of the neighborhood. Is there, a, is there some sort of gap here between the thought and the reality? There is certainly a gap between the reality of our aging population and what we are doing as a society to take advantages of our aging population, as well as to meet the growing challenges of our aging population. There really is a huge gap. I think it's because we are an age-denying society. We want to stay young. We focus on on youth, and none of us wants to uh, sort of admit that we have you know, that we're going to get older and that we will have some frailties probably associated with uh, with our aging process. So it's just not something that people like to think about. But uh, I want to emphasize that there are opportunities associated with an aging population. I mean, older adults are the only growing natural resource that we have, and yet they're wasted. We don't take advantage of the skills, talents of, of older adults. So we need to find better ways to do that. Um, do you mean through volunteering or work? Through or? volunteering, through economic opportunities, um, both in terms of work, but also older adults as consumers. Many businesses have yet to wake up to the fact that older adults comprise the segment of the population that has the most resources. And yet many businesses don't address that population. They focus on youth. Could you give us an example? You mean resources in terms of financial or mental or well i've got I've got one example that that comes to mind right now, and that is let's think about apparel, so clothing. You know, there just aren't that many companies designing great clothing for older women and men. I mean, our bodies do change as we get older, and so the clothes that fit us when we were in our teens or our early 20s, they just don't fit the same way when we're older, and yet it's not that easy to find clothing that is fashionable and comfortable, Um, and so I think it's a missed opportunity. 
How about some sneakers for old people? Are, <laughs> there, any, <laughs> are there any sneaker companies around here? Uh, no, uh, not to my knowledge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not the focus on older adults. Okay. Uh, so are there any initiatives that the Institute on Aging has put out to the city that you want to, them to follow up on, that you're, you're looking for action on? What's your work, what's your uh, uh, to-do list? What's our to-do list? One example of a policy that we've been working with the city on has to do with visitability and housing accessibility. So are we making, are we creating housing that people with a disability, with a mobility impairment, can actually get into and visit? Um, moreover, are we building housing that's accessible uh, that doesn't require stairs? So a lot of our infill housing is multiple stories, and that doesn't work for people with mobility limitations. So you are pointing out that this visitability factor is uh, deficient here. Yes, that's that's just one example. Anything else? Give us another example. Anything I, come to mind? Uh, well, another example can be where we have bus stops either without benches or we have benches without shelter or we have benches without arm uh, rests so that it's easier for people to get up and down from, from those. We had a call last week from a woman who said that there were people building houses in her backyard. Uh, not literally, ah. but uh, the density of her neighborhood was increasing so much that she's losing her view um, and uh, that she'd had for 31 years, and she couldn't find any parking anymore. Do you run into this often? Is this something that's happening here? Yes, it absolutely is happening, and... It's such a challenge for a city like ours that is well-planned, wants to be well-planned. One of the ways that you have a city that's well-planned is you increase density. When we increase density, that's where we put in additional housing in neighborhoods. And if we don't also build more parking, we are going to increase the number of cars, likely, that are on the street. Um, so we need plans to have even more um, public transportation, more alternatives to driving, and if we could figure it out, more parking. Because let's think about this person who's been living in her house for 31 years. Maybe she's not able anymore to walk several blocks if she had to park several blocks away. We don't know that. I don't know that anyway. So um, what's she going to do? If she can't park near where she lives, she's probably going to have to move. One of the objectives that um, I sense is important with respect to planning for older folks is the desirability of staying at home. Yes. Maintaining a home. What are we doing on that? There's a lot that we're doing. We have an array of services that have been developed to help people who have mobility limitations or health limitations be able to stay in their own homes. At some point, sometimes, it just isn't wise to do that. If you develop dementia, for example, and you're living alone and you're not able to maintain your house, or if, you're, if your physical limitations become too great, one of the things that can happen with this emphasis on aging in place is that we can forget that aging in place is not always the best option for the person. So yes, it's important to try and respect people's desires, wishes to stay in their own homes, but it may become unsafe. And 
in addition, sometimes people are actually very isolated in their own homes. And they move to assisted living. I just had this conversation last night with a car salesman. He said he had he had been forced to move his mom into assisted living, and she had gone kicking and st- screaming. She did not want to leave her home. And I asked him, how is she doing now? And he said, she loves it. She has so many new friends. There are always things to do. They have a transportation program so she can get where she needs to go. So... Aging in place is not always as crack, what it's cracked up to be. It can be a good thing to have to move, but choice is important. Are there opera- places being built in the city for assisted living? One of the problems with a number of the facilities that have been built is that they are being built and have been built on land that is less expensive, which tends to be at the periphery of cities, which also tends to have less transportation, less public transportation. So they can be great places to live as a community, but then there can be problems with the older adult getting out and doing what he or she wanted to do because of lack of ability to drive anymore, for example, if there aren't transportation options. The other problem with assisted living is that not everyone can afford it. And baby boomers as a group, which is the group now 10,000 of us turning 65 every day in the U.S., um, we're the group that has not done well with our savings overall. We haven't necessarily saved for retirement, and as a result, there are many of us who are not going to be able to afford assisted living. So we're looking for alternatives. How can Portland uh, position itself as a place where old folks want to live, enjoy living, can stay in their homes and contribute to our culture and economy. How can Portland be different and better than other places in these respects? I think already we're making strides toward toward becoming a place where people want to grow old, grow up and grow old. We want to become a community for all ages. One of the ways, the key ways that we're doing it is through this uh, focus that we have on creating an age-friendly community, which looks at all of these different domains, physical, social, health, um, environmental, economic. Are you satisfied that the city's doing everything it can, or what else should it be doing? That's a hard question. Um, Any government agency has limited resources, um, and we understand that. At the same time, I think that we are facing a situation where there really needs to be more attention to the challenges and the opportunities that older adults present. There are lots of ways in which we can improve Portland as and, and Multnomah County as a place for people of all ages and abilities. We've outlined them in that action plan that I mentioned uh, for creating an age-friendly community. The mayor has has uh, supported our effort, as have the county, the city and county commissioners. Commissioner Fish has been a huge uh, supporter of this effort since it began, as has uh, Commissioner Amanda Fritz. So there's more that could be done. I think one way to indicate support for this effort is through a budgetary process. So put a line item in that's, that is committed toward making Portland a more age-friendly city. My sense is that the, there's a commitment in, in kind of an abstract way, but it's not specific on, on a defined 
to-do list or agenda of actions. Yes, and we are we have a meeting coming up with bureau heads. Is there anything that uh, keeps you awake in terms of our lack of action on these matters? I'm I'm nearing the end of my professional career and I believed that by the time I retired, which will be this 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 next year, that I would see a greater public recognition of the fact that we're an aging society and more supports and programs uh, in place to address the needs of older adults and also the opportunities that that they present. So I find it a great disappointment that my whole career has been aimed at at that goal, and I don't see a lot of progress. Dr. Margaret Neal, director of the Portland Institute on Aging. Thank you for joining us today, and thanks for all that you've done. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Dr. Alan De La Torre is an intern at PSU. He's the co-coordinator of the Age-Friendly Portland and Multnomah County Project, and he's the coordinator and faculty for Global Aging and Health Program in Nicaragua with the Jesse F. Richardson Foundation. You told me that you thought Portland is a good place to retire, even though you're 39. You, <laughs> you can evaluate that. How, why do you think it's a good place to retire? I'd say in general, Portland is a, a livable community. Uh, it's very important to have a good connection, walkability, transportation infrastructure. Uh, I'd say that things like our trees, our green spaces, natural features are all critically important for livability. But my criticism is that the devil is in the details. And when we talk about livability, we don't often dig deep enough to understand what that means for an older person, a person with a disability, or somebody that is not... Uh, weird, beard, or biked. <laughs> this is, these are things that we promote here in the city. So we've got a lot of work to do specifically in fine-tuning policies, in awareness of aging, uh, in really including and respecting uh, a diverse range of people of all ages and abilities. Let's talk about city neighborhoods. <clears throat> are there specific uh, neighborhoods with high elderly populations and issues that uh, we could talk about here? Yeah, Portland is a, an interesting place in that there are some newer areas of the city that are seen that are that have a higher proportion of older adults. So places like the Pearl District and South Waterfront have seen an influx of older adults who may be moving there in condos and in higher density development. Uh, but you also see what would be aging in place happening on the fringe of the city and the region. So people who've been either aging in place or, you know, crossing that threshold to be 65, if we're using that as the, the marker for older. Um, whereas some of the inner neighborhoods, places like uh, southeast Portland, are less old, but may actually have better infrastructure, better services for people to access. So you're saying that uh, elderly people might be living on the wa- the waterfront. Isn't that expensive? Those, isn't that where the new condos are being built? Yeah, there there's some affordable housing that is there, but I wouldn't say by and large that these are affordable areas. Um, there are concentrations right. of affordable housing. So we have elderly people with money coming back into the city. Is that what you're saying? I'd say, yeah, people who are either moving into the city for the first time or moving within the city as well to areas that they feel like they could age well. You know, one of the examples of why South Waterfront and the 
the Pearl District might work well for older adults is that you've got access to arts and culture. You also have access to something like the streetcar that would be easy to jump on and get to a grocery store. Or, for instance, taking the streetcar to Portland State University's Senior Adult Learning Center, where if you're 65 and older and are an Oregon resident, you could take classes at the university for free. Uh, These are the types of things that actually work well for people to have continued engagement, social participation, and lifelong learning. I tend to think about the the elderly people who are here who've been here maybe all their lives, and they're living in Solomon's Gulch or somewhere off Hawthorne where the areas have been flooded with millennials and higher-cost apartments and condos. And, mm-hmm. and in some ways, if they own their houses, it's a good thing. And in other ways, it means higher taxes and higher operating expenses and more congestion and no parking and problems of overflowing units, mm-hmm. high densities. Is that an issue? Well, affordability is an incredibly difficult issue to unpack. And so I'd say, on the one hand, when you you talk about older adults who are on fixed incomes, um, they may be living in a home that they've been in for all their life, but maybe the taxes are getting to a place where it's actually affecting their bottom line and their ability to meet their their day-to-day needs, although the term fixed income is a little bit loaded, right? I could be be on a fixed income of $10,000 a month, but it doesn't mean that I couldn't meet my needs with with housing, transportation, and other services. Uh, So I'd say that those older adults who've been aging within a community, whether it's southeast or uh, even southwest, might might have some difficulty depending on where their retirement income is. What about those older neighborhoods, say, north of 82nd Avenue that are not... um gentrifying. They're still working class. There's plenty of old folks who grew up in those neighborhoods and they're still there. Are there issues of uh, housing for those people? You, you bring up a really good point. Uh, there was some analysis that was done um, looking at 2010 census data, so it's a little bit dated, but it was looking at where high densities of older adults were. And so north of 84 and east of 205, there were high densities of older adults, but low provisions of service. And this is a concept that we might want to dig into a little bit more as researchers, but are there age-friendly service deserts, especially in places where there are high concentrations of older adults? But what about class and race? How do the, those factors enter into the consideration of the elderly and the quality of their lives here in Portland? Yeah, class and race are two critical issues in, in our community as well as communities across the U.S. and, and the world. Um, on the one hand, I think it's important to note that the intersection between age and race and class and disability are all things that are important to unpack. So, for instance, if you look at American Community Service Data, uh, Community um, ACS, American Community Survey Data, that you would see certain things like higher proportions of older African Americans with disabilities than you would see uh, among the white older adult population. And so these are critically important. So it actually crosses over into that affordability issue as well. So let's say I'm providing more affordable housing in the city. But that affordable housing is not accessible. It would hit harder those groups of people who have higher rates of disability, such as the African-American population. My impression is that older people are generally poorer. They tend to be the lower income people compared to the rest of the city. Is that right? It's actually not correct. It's a really interesting kind of issue. And I'd say at the moment, what, what we've seen is that important policies that have been enacted, the Older Americans Act, et cetera, have really taken what would be um, older adult poverty, and it's, it's taken that down to levels that are lower than 
children's poverty or people in the 18 to 64 range. And so older adults are actually more protected because there are more programs in place for them, um, whether it would be a Medicaid or Medicare service. A Medicare is specifically qualified by older adults. They're covered Whereas if you had Medicaid, it would only be based on your income. Also, Social Security was the major policy that was enacted that was specifically meant to bring older adults out of poverty. What about uh, homelessness, Doctor? Are there any studies or do you have any data on elderly people who are homeless? So this is uh, not peer-reviewed research, but I I read a very interesting New York Times article about uh, the high proportion of people who are homeless uh, who are older, as well as veterans who who are living on the streets at this juncture. Um, I think that the the homeless population is is incredibly difficult to kind of manage uh, or understand, partially because of issues with mental and behavioral health, understanding that people may have um, ended up in that situation for a variety of reasons, whether it was lack of support, um, systems that have not been easy to access, um, being fed up with the system in, in some ways. Housing keeps coming up. Uh, the rapid growth in housing prices and values that's occurred here in the last 10, 20 years, has that been good or bad for elderly people? On the one hand, I'll talk about the the positive part. Um, So for folks who've owned their homes and have seen their their equity rise and and the ability to take that that home value and parlay that into either the next uh, housing environment that they live in or to sell and have some cushion to, to live the rest of their lives, that's a positive. But I would say, by and large, the housing affordability crisis and the housing crisis in general has been especially difficult for older adults especially renters, right? There are very few protections that are here in our in our region uh, for older adults in particular. And for somebody who's not able to continue to earn the way they might have in their prime earning years, they're really dependent on the system. They're dependent on, on rates of affordability that they could actually uh, rely on. And as we've seen this escalation of, of housing prices, a lot of people have been priced out. They've been forced to move into areas that would be out on the fringes, which have less access to services, less frequent service transit systems. And so it's really, really problematic. So right around the age of 75, we start to see a higher correlation between age and disability. And even if affordable housing is available, it might not be accessible affordable housing, which reduces the options for older adults in in even more ways than an able-bodied older person. What types of housing are evolving to keep elders in the city that are different from what we have now? So there are, there are a couple of really interesting things going on in the city of Portland. I'd, I'd call attention to two projects, the Residential Infill Project and the Better Housing by Design Project. Residential Infill is really looking at the single-family neighborhoods that are, are there in our city and the Better Housing by Design, what would be the higher-density, multifamily types of housing. So I'll start really quickly with Better Housing by Design. They've been looking at a couple of things to increase social connectivity as well as a concept called visitability, which is basically making sure that you have a zero-step entrance, wide halls and doors so you could get in with a walker or a wheelchair, and then a bathroom that somebody could use if they were using a mobility device. What the Residential Infill Project has done is kind of three big things. Um, One, which I won't talk about much, is, is simplifying some zoning code around skinny and narrow lots. Another one, which is is really important, is alternative housing types. 
And that piece is the one piece that I think is really interesting. So as part of this alternative housing types, they've allowed or they're proposing to allow, this policy is not in place, it won't be until the summer or the fall, but they're proposing to say that if you're able to add a second accessory dwelling unit or a granny flat, there are a number of different ways to call this, that that unit would require to be, will be required to be visitable. So let's say you've got a single family house, currently by code, you're allowed to have an accessory unit. But when you add that third unit, one of those units needs to be visitable, which is really groundbreaking policy, if you ask me. Professor Alan De La Torre, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Next time, you'll hear some ideas from guest Rachel Moller on using the equity in your home to enjoy life more through the mechanism called reverse equity. It's complicated and we'll discuss some of the issues associated with credit transactions with a lawyer who specializes in that subject, Chaz Horner. You don't want to miss this. You've been listening to our series on aging in Portland, retired or rewired. You can listen to any episode in this series or the entire series if you go to kboo.fm and look for the show under my name, Tom Flynn. Thanks for joining us today.